It's amazing what talents come out if you give God a chance. Just haven't given them their chance all these years, but here we go. Sorry about that, guys. I really like it. All right, so I want to talk about the power of praise and thanksgiving, and uh, I think we already felt it today. Uh, just even some of the songs that you sang today, they had no idea what I was going to share on, but all of them had this same amazing theme. I could hear it through all the worship and the music. And uh, So I think I'll start uh, with uh, Psalm uh, 42, uh, 1 to 2, uh, those verses. I'm getting a little feedback if you could. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Hmm. I love that because it underlines this walk with God is just not just rules and regulations and words and and uh, important things to do and benevolence and all. It's it's really at the core. It's about the presence of God. Amen. And we really pant for that, even though we don't even know we're panting for that when we're in the world. And sometimes we get so religious and we do all kinds of things, you know, and we're still don't feel quite right in our spirit with God. It's because you're panting. <laughs> you're looking for an encounter. You're looking for God himself. That's why worship is so powerful. It's sort of like taking your plug and plugging it in, if you will, you know, if you want to, and uh, if you're willing. And that doesn't take a whole lot of discipline either, I think, uh, especially when the music is in that place, because you were made for the presence of God. And so you are also made then to worship. It's your first station. It's your first place. And I just love the music that's developed over the last several decades in the United States and around the world. It's just a prelude to the movement and power of God, which is already on us all, all across the whole earth right now. And everywhere in the earth there is. It doesn't matter whether it's in Israel or Russia or it doesn't matter whether you go to Africa or you go to India, there's a new song. There's a new song being sung. Matter of fact, I get a kick every time I go to India because they don't do uh, American songs and sing them in Hindi. They do their own songs. And the rhythms are so different and so cool, but you get swept away in it because it's God as well, right? This is the power of praise and thanksgiving expressed in every culture in just a different form or way, but the event is the same. It's the, it's the presence of God. So when we come to know Jesus, we are born really into a profound Awareness of God. John 3 3 helps us to see that. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So we know about that born again scripture. It's the very Spirit of God working on the inside of us that causes the change. But it doesn't stop there. We, in a sense, keep getting born again. No, we settle the issues with regard to our faith by taking a point in time and receiving Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Sometimes it takes a couple of points of time until we finally get it, understand on the inside, and something passes over inside of us, right? And we become aware of things in a new and wonderful way. But it doesn't stop just with that moment. The Holy Spirit keeps working. He's active. He's continuing to come. So when we give praise and thanksgiving to God, a deep sense of God's presence comes into our lives. According to the scripture, we can enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, they obviously had a real temple uh, back when this was written. Matter of fact, David made sure. But the interesting thing about it is that in those temples, not only in the temple in Israel, but also the temples in the Middle East, 
They were all designed the same way. There was an outer sort of area, and then there was another area, and then there was an inner, really inmost area. And that was the Holy of Holies. That was the very, very special place with God. And so there was always seen as this progression. So we see it here again in this scripture, Psalm 104. He says, uh, should I get to 104 here? We just want to make sure we we just really get this uh, concept really powerfully. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Such a simple uh, uh, promise. So praise and thanksgiving is incredibly powerful in our life, but only powerful because of the presence, right? Because the manifest presence of God. And so I've noticed that in this time of distress in my own life, but I would say just all over, I think it's fair to say that many are really struggling mentally and emotionally to make contact with God. You know, they got discouraged. They got away from their families and friends and, and church. And uh, I wouldn't want to have everybody raise their hand. It might be too depressing. But I know that a number of us are trying to get back, trying to connect. And the disappointment's over- overwhelming for some of us. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us experienced severe disappointments. And, uh, and interestingly enough, I found out I'm going to say something really, really weird. One of the reasons why we've lost a little bit of touch is because we're praying serious prayers. And then sometimes we feel worse than before we started praying. Don't ask for a show of hands on that one either. But Because there's praying and then there's praying. So sometimes praying is nothing more than complaining. <laughs> or praying is actually reminds us of how painful the situation is that we find ourselves getting more depressed about it because our faith isn't rising up to that space that we need. We're praying, but we're not really believing. We're not believing because we're somehow out of sync. And uh, so I think the reason why this is, and I tell you, I discovered this uh, a long time ago, but, but I want to say God always brings you back and brings you a new awareness of things uh, in your walk with the Lord. You might have known them, but then comes a time when you really begin to know them again, right? These, these things. And so I think... Sometimes a simple protocol with God is being missed. Asking for things from God is so much easier from a place of thanksgiving and prayer or uh, praise. We're more in touch with God's presence when we begin our prayers with, Hallowed be your name, as Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Notice how the very first line is, Hallowed be your name. So the thing is, sometimes the Lord's Prayer degenerates into sort of a mantra or a poem. Or, Matter of fact, I think for years and years, I just skipped over the uh, hallowed be your name, right to the thy kingdom come, you know, give me this day my daily bread, uh, deliver me from my enemies. Anybody ever done that? But actually, first things are first. Jesus put it there for a reason. It's the same reason why we have Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. When you do that, you enter into this, uh, this it's an Old Testament picture, but it's still the same, you know. We're moving through the gates and into the Lord's uh, presence. And uh, I'll tell you, this this uh, little thing has just uh, revolutionized my life over and over again. Matter of fact, uh, I always thought like it was sort of against the rules in praying to like spend most of my time worshiping and then just spend a little time petitioning. But actually, I'm finding I'm, I'm spending more and more time just listening to an anointed you know, CD or, or however you get your music. <laughs> 
these days and just listening to Christian music. I, 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 I love being in that, that space. I could stay there a long time. But then when I begin to address personal issues, things that maybe cause me pain, I feel, I, it feels like I can go into those with more faith. That's why I think they put the, Jesus put the hallowed be thy name part in the beginning. It's sort of a matter of honor, but it's also a matter of God's presence. And when the oil of God's presence comes, uh, it makes everything go better. Thanksgiving and praise to God are weapons of warfare also, as we see in the Scripture. In themselves, they're weapons of warfare. What I mean by weapons of warfare is they move demonic strongholds. So this depression and heaviness that we're feeling is a mixture of disappointments and discouragement that we can see. But of course, our enemy, the, uh, the devil, is always trying to take advantage of that situation. The thief, the Bible says, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's always in that invisible world. And he stays in the shadows, but it's direct demonic influence many times that we're, we're dealing with, uh, with regard to our prayer life and our just uh, connection with God. And so I think it's easy to understand why the enemy would want to do that and how he, that he does that. I mean, maybe we haven't put the two to two together. Why the feelings of depression and oppression? Why the sense of confusion, maybe? Uh, and it's coming from another source sometimes. Sometimes it's from the world. Sometimes it's our own discouragement or not clear thinking. But many times it's coming, especially I would say in these days, from the wrong place, from the dark place, from demons and demonic things. So thanksgiving and, and praise, if you look in the Bible, and the biblical record, uh, are weapons of warfare. In other words, when we do that, we actually cut through the darkness. Uh, one thing that demons do not like is they do not like worship, and they do not like to be anywhere near praise of the Most High God. That's the atmosphere in heaven. That's where they were cast out of and uh, from that place, because there's always worship going on. There's always this environment in heaven. So when we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're declaring heaven to earth. We want heaven to be to earth. Well, if you want heaven on earth, you're going to get a lot of worship. Because <laughs> that's a lot of what they do up there, from what I understand. From the scriptures that we have and the revelation that we have, is it amazing? You think, well, why would that be? How could, man, that's boring. Is that all I'm going to do in heaven? You know, I have no idea exactly what you're going to do in heaven, but I do know you will worship, and I do know you're going to like it. Because the presence of God is irreplaceable. Ooh, yeah. If all you have is knowledge and a, a sense of God, you know, in the moral sense, it's one thing. But when presence comes, when you sense His presence, it makes all the difference in the world, even in your mind. Peace comes, there's a connection there. And uh, so, like I said, uh, I've I just begun to discover this more and more. I mean, it's been, I've been doing this for several years now, but not anything like I, I, I mean, I actually now spend, you know, maybe I might spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes and just worship, listening to an amazing, uh, some singing or a group or whatever, you know, and connecting with God. And then I'll just spend a few minutes just asking God for various things that I need. But when I do it, I find I've got something behind me. It's like, uh, it's like the weight and the axe head. You know, you don't just have the edge. You've got the weight of the axe head that causes something to happen, right? And so that's the way it is. The worship's like that because the presence is like that. And praying in the presence of God just uh, helps you to feel like you're actually touching God. But also, I do think you're doing damage because you're praying in faith. And you're also doing something else I've noticed, praying more continually. 
not giving up so easy, right? Not just to, you know, throw something up and then forget about it and then go back when you're suffering again or whatever. So our part is to affirm with our mouths and actions the surpassing greatness of God and His Son's victory over our enemies. That's why when you do that, thanksgiving and praise are weapons of warfare. And so Paul knew this, and I want to turn to Philippians chapter 4. And um, he knew this very, very well, and we're going to um, read a couple of stories about how well uh, he knew this. So if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, let's read verses 4 to 7. So he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Now I, I've read that for years, I don't know why I never made the connection to Christian music or music like we just did in rejoicing, right? I always thought of it as some, you know, I don't know what I thought, just crying out, yelling out, whatever, I mean, you can do that. But uh, when I rejoice with music, when I rejoice like we just did, it really is rejoicing. I mean, those songs, I really am in singing out, I am, I'm celebrating, really. Aren't, and that, that celebration is wonderful, isn't it? That's why he's, and evidently he was able to co- uh, connect with that without a whole lot of instruments. As we're going to see, he even did it from the bottom of a jail, right? <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to, know, to God. Now there's that other piece, thanksgiving. So it's almost like you salt your prayers with thanksgiving. There's something that you're giving out. And the whole kingdom of God, as we talked about last week with generosity, the entire kingdom of God is built on generosity. We give something and God gives something back. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. One form of giving is, is uh, thanksgiving. You ever thought of that? Yeah. And it, heaven evidently likes it because... As we said before, we enter his gates with what? His courts with? So evidently, heaven likes it. That's how you come in. That's how you go in. And that's how we do it in this temple here. That's why we do the things that we do. And uh, well designed by the Lord. That's why we worship first, right? That's why we do this. Uh, because everything afterward flows. That's why many times... I, I, uh, I've been doing this for a long time as well because it just made sense to me that when you worship, that's the time to start praying for people because they're connected to God. They have faith, something's stirred in their heart. And hopefully you have that after the message as well. But we know for sure you're going to get it during the worship. <laughs> and hopefully the message matches the worship. But, but the good thing about that with regard to our prayer life is... is uh, is we're, we're doing it ourselves. In other words, we're actively engaged in the process. So it's not just information coming to us that is inspirational, but we're actually doing the inspiration, right? We're doing it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I really like that. I'm going to read that again. So this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord. How many times? So you don't have to just do it here. You can do it where? You can do it on work. You can do it when you're riding your bike. You can do it when you're looking at a beautiful scene of nature. You can do it in your kitchen. I will say it again. Rejoice. And by the way, it's not cheating to get anointed music. <laughs> so, man, I'm set up. I got my little... I, I mean, I've, I'm learning how to do this online. So, I mean, I'm getting all this. There's so much great music. I just get into it, you know, and just put it on there, you know, and play it. You know, it's great. 
It's like you're in church. <clears throat> At least our church. Let your, <laughs> let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there it is again, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I really like this guarding thing. That's what I'm saying as I started out. I think there's a lot of unguarded minds and hearts right now. And this is the way back. This is a very powerful way back. Not just at church with music, but find your favorite music. Find it everywhere. Find it online. Find it on YouTube. Find it. And, and, and uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, we just had a great time. Usually uh, my trips, you know, I have to go to New Mexico or Texas to see our relatives or whatever are sort of troublesome, especially to get in the desert and it's hot or it's whatever time of the year it is. But I tell you, we found a secret, man. We just crank up the music the whole way. And it's just amazing because there's so much good music you can get, right? All right. So the peace of God is able to transcend all understanding and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there's amazing breakthroughs in our circumstances. We see examples of these breakthroughs all throughout the Scripture. And so I want to just read, actually, uh, the background behind the Scripture we just read from Paul in Philippians chapter 4. And actually, I think the background that describes this the best, and I think that's maybe... Maybe because he's, he's, he wrote that letter to the Philippians. And so we see what happened to him in Philippi. So he gets thrown in jail in Acts chapter 16 for preaching uh, the gospel. People rise up against him. So the crowd joined in the attack against uh, Paul and Silas, verse 22. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That's not fun. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown to prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in in her cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So you thought you had problems, <laughs> right? I was only doing your will. I, I was preaching. What would I do to deserve this? But look how they responded, which is really interesting. Think about this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, how in the world do you pray and sing hymns to God in that sort of situation? Wow. But that's the whole point of what I'm saying. You sing praise and hymns to God while you're down, not only when you're up, because you need them when you're down, because this worship we're talking about and the thanksgiving and the prayer that goes along with it is powerful. It's able to dismantle things over your life because it's supernatural. Worship to God is supernatural. And you know what? On the converse, I think some music uh, uh, from the enemy is the other way and actually encourages all kinds of crazy stuff. So both sides, right? It works both ways. And the devil's been trying to get a hold of God's music for an awfully long time and duplicated in every way, shape, and form. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake the foundations of the prison were shaken all at once. The prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, hey, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Now that's the background behind rejoice, Lord, always. 
He's probably thinking about his, he's telling this, he's writing this letter to the Philippians, he's probably thinking about his time in jail, right? And he goes, and I'll say it again, rejoice. <laughs> and so, so uh, the jailer's looking, about to commit suicide, he says, don't kill yourself. He, he gets him out of, of jail there, and uh, he, the jailer gets saved. And, uh, and then one thing leads to another, and now the magistrates suddenly the next day want him to get out of town. And so Paul says, you come in here and drag us out. And so they come in and get him out, <laughs> and he's feeling his oats now. You know, he's feeling like, wow, you know. See, the thing is, the tide turned. How many here need the tide to turn in your life? The tide turned. It supernaturally turned. On a simple little crazy thing like worship, it turned. And these guys were let out of jail. They literally got let out of jail. Amen. And so think about your situation. Where do you need to get let out of jail? I highly recommend it, Thanksgiving and praise as a way to help you uh, through the process, right? Thanksgiving and praise to God is a normal part of breakthrough, whether before, during, or after a miracle. Even remember uh, when this Jesus told these lepers, and we see this in Luke chapter 17, you know, go show yourself to the priests. And one of them gets healed. Well, they all got healed, but one of them turns back. He was the Samaritan, which was actually a rift between Jews and Samaritans. He turns back, right? And he turns back, and he goes and tells Jesus, thank you. And Jesus, in that little exchange, tells him, your faith has made you well. And, uh, and he asked the question, why didn't somebody else, why didn't, where, where are the other guys? You know, this Samaritan who is supposed to be enemies with our race, the Jews and the Samaritans are supposed to be enemies. This is the one that comes back and says, thank you. So it evidently, Jesus likes thank you. <laughs> A simple thank you may go farther than we can imagine. And as we do this more and more, I believe a spirit of gratefulness begins to emerge. And I've found uh, that uh, my gratefulness goes up as I learn to practice this and just notice little things. It's not that we have to wait till some big healing. We can start this grateful lifestyle immediately. And one thing I'm finding between praise and gratefulness, Thanksgiving and this whole worshiping and, and honoring God and praising God, I'm finding it changes my mood. See, the thing is, what we have in our culture right now is a mountain of negativity. You know, it assails us from every side. Things are very, very negative right now in our entire environment. So the thing is, the church can't go down that place. That's the devil's territory. That's where you get beat up, you get weird ideas, you start thinking strange things, you start moving to strange places. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I think I'm going to prophesy right now. So I have lived in all the places where people are moving. <clears throat> I predict a return. And I hope they save their money so they can get back here and buy their homes again. Because <laughs> I know what it's like to live those places. And it's nice in the beginning, but over time, woof. I just thank God for Orange County. I tell you, we landed in Orange County a long, long time ago. When we did, I thought, I took one look at the parks, one look at the weather, and I go, Janice, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're going to do it right here. (laughs) 
You know, and also, uh, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but our county, there's a certain level of spirituality and grace over us in our county. I think we've weathered this storm very, very well as a county. And even spiritually in the churches, I've been noticing, we're doing really well. I know we're still not out of the woods with all this thing, but even the numbers with COVID are down and the freedom and the sense I, I you know, when you journey to other places, you see, you can, you could almost feel, at least, I'll, I'll just speak for South Orange County, okay? Uh, but especially down here, man, when I go other places, you can just feel the tangible uh, fear and religious whatever that is, you know, and uh, like, ah, you know, I, you can feel it in the air. I mean, while we were all kind of in it is one thing, but Orange County's breaking loose. It really is. You know why it's breaking loose? Because I asked Jesus for it to break loose. <laughs> and I did it with thanksgiving. <laughs> I did it in a very, very nice way. <laughs> really, I'm so grateful for what the Lord uh, ha- has done during this time. I want to tell you a little story, and uh, there's a number of newer people here, so maybe you haven't heard this story. Lest you think this tale of Paul is just a distant memory somewhere buried in the uh, pages of the Bible. I have a friend, and uh, I've been, he's been on my mind a lot and heart because he's uh, in Cambodia right now and pastoring the churches that we started there years ago. And uh, his name was Sapal. Maybe, some, maybe he might, with all the way uh, uh, communications are, he, maybe he'll, he'll get this and uh, see this uh, on video somehow or another in Cambodia. But so, um, so Paul uh, went through the Cambodian Holocaust, and so maybe some of you don't know about that, but it was a horrible thing. Millions of people died and were killed by the communists, and um, so it really exterminated uh, the average Cambodian population, pretty much. And so, so Paul uh, ended up uh, uh, fleeing the land and barely got out alive, but then he went back. And by that time, the Vietnamese had conquered the land uh, for the last few years of the 80s. So, again, he was at it. When he went back, the church began to explode again. But when he, and, and it was amazing. It was people getting converted right and left and everything. But the Vietnamese got very threatened with it. And so they threw him in ch- a prison. And they chained him to the floor uh, along with other political prisoners. And they would, I've seen that where he was, he was in these little stall kind of like things. And, and there was a little uh, pipe that ran across the back of it. And they chained his hands uh, to that pipe, and he was in there night and day, uh, and had to sit in his own excrement for like five days, six days at a time. Uh, really, sometimes uh, they wouldn't let him out, and it was just a horrible, terrible situation. So he knew he was dying. Uh, he had caught something, and his wa- body was getting weaker. They, it was really bad food they were feeding him. So while he's in this jail cell, uh, he decided uh, to sing. So in Khmer, he began to sing this song. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Except he was singing it in Khmer. So uh, while he's singing it, uh, one day uh, another guy next to him, a general who actually was incarcerated with him, said, uh, Hey, uh, I'd like to sing that. Teach me the words of that song. And so he began to sing it. And then he got saved. And then the other guy on the other side started singing it. And then the other people, and pretty soon, so Paul has this whole jail cell singing, worshiping God. 
Now, what do you do about that? I suppose they could have stuffed something in their mouths, but they're all singing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me and getting saved all around the jail. Even though they couldn't hardly see each other because they were all partitioned off, but these political prisoners and religious prisoners were in there singing and worshiping God. And, uh, but so Paul uh, began to get sicker and sicker to the place we got just so incredibly weak. And so he has this visitation from the Lord. And the visitation was, it was like the whole jail cell, the top of it came off, and he could see into the heavens, and he see, saw all these angels uh, singing. And what, guess what they were singing? I've got a river of life. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But they were singing it in Khmer. So I asked him about that. I said, I thought that was an English song. No, I said, that's a Khmer song for sure. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so he sang it for me. And it actually sounds better in Khmer, I think. But anyway, so he's singing this. And so they're all singing, and the heavens, heavens opened up, just as he got so incredibly ill, and it got weaker and weaker, because they weren't giving him hardly any food, and uh, they were madder and madder at him, and they were restricting his food more and more. And so he has this visitation, and the angel tells him uh, he's going to get delivered, and tells him to stop eating. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's starving to death, and he tells him to stop eating. So he stops eating. He just stopped eating. And before long, uh, they noticed that he was dying, and for whatever reason, they didn't want him to die. He couldn't walk anymore, so they carried him out and they put him in the hospital. And there he met a Cuban Christian doctor in the hospital. Can you imagine? And so they began to talk. And so Paul explained his situation. And the guy said, you know, I don't know how to help you, uh, but I'm going to leave the door open tonight. And, and he couldn't walk. So he said, if you can somehow manage to get out, have your friends come. Well, that night, a thunder and lightning hit the whole place, and the light place went black, you know, ironically. And so uh, he crawled to the edge. He could only crawl, and he crawled to the edge of the door, and there was a soldier sitting in front of the door. And he literally got to the door, and when he got to the door trying to get out, he was trying to get out, crawl past the guy, but he fell on the ground. And the guy didn't notice. So then he crawled back to the fence, and he got to the outer fence, and he was so weak, he just got stuck in a barbed wire uh, uh, fence in a horrible rainstorm. And, uh, but, soon, but soon came uh, a car came. They saw him stuck there. They got him out of the fence. They took him in the car and brought him uh, to his wife, which was in town. They nursed him back to health, and he got well. So God delivered him in this place of rejoicing, in this place of praise, and worship, that's how God got him out. That's how the thing worked, right? And it works the same as it did for Paul, and it works the same in our life. Don't underestimate the power of praise and thanksgiving. You don't need angels. I've noticed that my mood changes when I start thanking God, even for my adversity, even for things. Thank you, God. I just don't, I don't thank him for I just say, thank you, God, that you already have the answer for this. Thank you, God. And then when he gives me something great, I just say, thank you, God, for helping me. Thank you for opening that door. Thank you for healing. Thank you for doing this. And I found that depression that all of us are sort of suffering for, that malaise, I find it lifting more and more every day as I do that. Some days are worse than others, you know, because in the atmosphere right now, it's almost contagious. You know, you can feel it everywhere, right? And, uh, but there's a remedy for that, and it's praise and thanksgiving, your own praise and thanksgiving, your own Khmer song, so to speak. Now, I've got to warn you, it takes a little bit of discipline, right, to sing when you're not feeling well or to give thanksgiving or that kind of thing. 
But if you do this enough, it's amazing how you begin to live above your problems and actually begin to expect God for answers to your problems in unseen ways. We see in the Bible, as we look at Roman numeral 3 there, there are also powerful examples of praise and thanksgiving in other parts of the Bible. Here's one of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 50, verses 14 to 15. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. That says it, doesn't it? Let me read it again. I'll read it again. Only one guy. Thank you. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Now, the sacrifice of thank offerings, that's actually cost them something. So when they brought a thank offering, they brought them something that was monetized. It was enlarged in agrarian culture. So when they brought that offering, it was cost them something. But also, I find out that thanksgiving and praise costs us something. You know, you don't want to do it. It costs a little bit of your speech, a little bit of time, your attention. But you don't have to do a lot. Matter of fact, isn't it interesting that the Lord's Prayer starts with, Hallowed be your name. I always thought that was sort of like the introduction. Never had much use for our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I always had more use for thy kingdom come, and then that part where give me this day my daily bread, and, and deliver me from my enemies. <clears throat> but what I've learned is the hallowed be thy name part is the most important part of the prayer. It's where we give honor to God for who he is. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. It's worship. It's at the very front of the prayer. It's not put at the front of the prayer as a warm-up for the rest. <laughs> it's a put at the front of the prayer because it's powerful. When you turn your attention to the living God, especially in difficult circumstances, something begins to change. It begins to rearrange. Sometimes supernatural things happen, but also I've found I begin to think clearly enough about my situation that I discover the answer, of course, with God's help. He puts the answer there. He says, this is the way. Walk in it, right? So two last things. Uh, one story we're very, very well aware of, and uh, it's the story of Jericho. Now, you know the story of Jericho as they're coming into the promised land. It's all a picture of our life as well. We want to come into a land flowing with milk and honey. We want our jobs to do well. We want our kids to do well. We want the generations to do well. We want peace in the land. We want our political figures to make wise decisions. <laughs> we want there to be peace, right? This is what we want. So this is their promised land. They'd been in the wilderness for a long time, a long time. And it was their own fault because they kept grumbling. Isn't that weird? They stayed there largely because they kept, they didn't have, when you grumble, you, you, it's like, when you get in that place, it's like you take your fingers and you go like that and you can't hear God's voice. You pray and pray, and then it makes you more depressed because you're praying and you're reminding yourself of how horrible things are. But because you plugged your ears, you can't hear. You can't hear the answer. God's not up there saying, pray some more, work harder. Some people call that intercession, a nice, really religious name. It's a good name. They ruined that name, intercession. Intercession isn't meant to, like, torture yourself and then maybe I'll listen. <laughs> that's, that's not intercession. But that's how people interpret it. And the more you torture yourself, I just might help you. <laughs> wow. I can't wait to worship God. <laughs> right? 
I think there's a place for fasting and prayer. But I'm finding even that is a joyous thing. And what I mean by that is I don't like not to eat. I really like to eat. But fasting, when I have the joy set before me, I'm, I'm turning my full attention to the happy God. So sometimes people do fasting and they say, I'm turning my full attention to this tormenting God. I don't know why he makes me do this kind of stuff, but okay, if it works, I'll do it. You know, This is dumb. Not good thinking. You're just entering in with him to a place where you can focus. Because fasting is about that. I'm focused. But you should be actually focusing to get past the hunger pains more on the happy part. Matter of fact, I just really turn the music up if I'm fasting, right? Because there's an anointing there. There's happiness. Maybe you haven't discovered these happy thoughts. Many haven't because they've been held in the bondage of legalism and, and uh, so much religious stuff. But God really is a happy God and He wants you to be happy. And there's a happiness that can rise up on the inside of you that nothing else can touch nor nothing else can produce. That's what we need to believe about God and understand and experience. Right? So... So this story of Joshua and Jericho, it's really interesting. He tells them, okay, here's, the, here's, the, here's what we're going to do. We're going to march around the city and blow trumpets for several days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. And then everybody's going to shout, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> Can you imagine? So they're feeling a little insecure anyway. And the warriors amongst them say, let's get at it, let's get at it. But then they're looking at these walls. They were formidable. Jericho was a formidable city. This was like one of the strongest fortresses, strongest things. If this falls, that gave everybody panic in the whole uh, area because Jericho was never supposed to fall. Right? And so when they shouted, the walls fell down and they went straight ahead and conquered. Right? They went straight ahead and were able to conquer the, the city. What an amazing thing. But I got an even better one and I'm going to finish on this one. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. And uh, I, maybe some, most of us maybe have read this, or maybe not. All, I don't know how many of you have read this story, but it's a remarkable story. And I, I like it. It's another uh, uh, Jewish king that's involved here. And so uh, evidently what's happening here in 1 Chronicles chapter 20 is he's being attacked. And, uh, and so... Uh, as he's being attacked, he doesn't quite know what he's supposed to do. And I think I got the wrong reference here. Is it First Chronicles or is it six? Sorry. Good. All right. There we go. This guy's named Jehoshaphat. I had the wrong king there. All right. So let's read a couple of these verses. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mennonites, whoever those people are, <laughs> the termites, whoever it is, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hezazan Tamar, that is in En Gedi. I've been to En Gedi. Alarm, it's not too far from Jerusalem, so they're already on their way up. They're coming up along the, the Dead Sea. Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek help from him. All right. So then, verse 12, I'll pick up there, okay? So they're praying. So Joshua says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
It even rhymes in English, right? I don't know if it rhymes in Hebrew or not, but it rhymes in English. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Now, this isn't such a bad idea for us, especially on this national day of prayer. If you don't believe in prayer, don't come. If you believe in prayer, I highly recommend it. Can you imagine all of our nation, all the churches at once, filled to the brim, they should be, crying out for our nation. If they ever came to a prayer meeting, that would be one to come to. We need it. We need a victory from somewhere else other than our own ingenuity and our own politics. Because it's not just one party or the other, but both parties need to come together somehow, some way. And somehow we need to get into a place where God brings us into a fruitful place again. And so it's going to be a miracle. God's going to have to do something. But God can do those sort of things. He has a way of arranging things like this, right? Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Bezalel, uh, what's that, Jehaziel, sorry, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehiel, Levi, the descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. And this is a prophetic utterance. So, in other words, God gave this individual a word from our sponsor. That's why we still do prophetic stuff. That's why when even I was ministering during worship, you know, that's a little prophetic activity. We, what's God doing? A word from our sponsor, you know, and he can do that through all of us. The Bible says you can be all prophesy. We all can get words like that about our family, about work, about our jobs, everything. But this guy hears from God. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. You do not be afraid or discouraged because this vast army, for, because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. <laughs> and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Now, okay. A vast army is coming against me. I'm in Jerusalem. I kind of like it in Jerusalem. There's like walls and there's water. And so I'm supposed to go out and face them. And I'm not going to fight or anything. And wow. So here's a really interesting thing. So they'd been praying. So when the word of the Lord comes, guess what? Jehoshaphat believes him. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. <laughs> so, wow, this is an interesting battle plan. So you take your singers, you put them at the head of the army, right? So this is what they said. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. 
So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. I think it means praise, right? The Valley of Praise. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice, I'll say, over their enemies. Guess what they do? Now, here's the interesting thing. They go right straight to the temple. And what did they do there? They went to the Lord with harps and lyres and, and, and trumpets. The fear of God came in all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. What an amazing story this is. What an applicable story this is. They just worshiped their way uh, to victory. And God, in this case, did the rest. Right? So there's great power in the power of praise and thanksgiving, not only in their day, but our day. And there's millions of different kinds of applications. Maybe not millions, but a lot. I mean, there's other possibilities here. It's not just necessarily in a large gathering. It could be in your own private life. But I tell you one thing I've noticed. We, the Bible says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I've found that when I'm in the right place with God, in a praising place, in a faith-filled place, and even in a sense of love place with God, I can hear His voice better. So while they were worshiping and praying, the Lord sent the word and said, this is the way out of this problem. So your way out of your problem may not be quite so dramatic or weird, it may just simply be, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? You couldn't hear it under the cloud of depression, discouragement. Have you noticed that discouragement and depression and heaviness has no creativity in it? This is a day for creativity. By the way, that's why we're going to finish out on top of this whole thing. See, while the rest of the world's distracted, moaning and groaning, complaining, bitter, attacking one another, we're sitting there in the Lord enjoying one another's presence, enjoying the Lord, and we're listening to God, and He gives us these creative ideas. What kind of creative ideas? Well, why don't you go work over there? Why don't you start this business? Why don't you throw your net on that side of the boat? Why don't you go do this? Ah! See, all through the air, air ages, what the, Lord, what the church has added to the culture of the world is creativity. If you trace it back, you'll find that many great ideas and inventions came from believers and Jews alike. It's amazing how many. So this is an hour for us to, do, to be incredibly successful. It's just that we've got to climb out from under the depression, and we have the ability to do that. And one of those ways is the power of praise and thanksgiving. And another way is the power of us doing praise and thanksgiving and prayer, right? You notice the corporate gatherings. Besides, I don't like singing by myself in here. It works out okay, you know, I play the music loud enough to drown out my voice, but it works out all right. But all of us together, that's what you felt today, earlier. And we can turn that into something good, right? Amen. Let's all stand.
Can you do worship? I didn't say anything to you about it. I see you're already doing that. That's a good thing. We get confused these days. We don't know what to do with, we don't know what to do with the live stream. It messes us up. We don't know. Plus all this like close contact we used to have with the ministry team and all that, that's coming back. By close contact, that doesn't mean spit in somebody's face. That doesn't just means, well, I think we could probably lay hands. Amen. It's not going to be six feet, but for the value we get, laying hands on one another and praying for another, it would be very, 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 very worth it because of prayer. So we're just going to worship a little bit. And, uh, and you can just stay as long as you want, okay? But uh, why don't you just stay at least for a little bit and do some business with God, okay? And if you want to stay longer, great. And we'll just, you can stay as long as these guys are worshiping or longer or whatever. Just do something with the Lord. But I encourage you to do business with God as we're worshiping, okay? Because I got a feeling from what I said today, many of you are going to lift some things up to the Lord. And I think also some things are going to lift off of you. Matter of fact, in the name of Jesus, as we worship, I just command the spirit of heaviness to lift off of us. We are not helpless. We are creative people born to rejoice, born again to be happy because of the Spirit that's inside of us. And we are better together because the Spirit of the Lord flows individually and corporately as the church of Jesus Christ. Just like Jehoshaphat, as we lift these praises up, I pray, God, you would destroy our enemies. Things at home that are troubling us, situations with our children that are, just seem impossible, Situations with our parents or loved ones. Situations in our work that have not ironed out yet. But as we speak, Lord, and we worship, I pray, God, and we pray in this worship, I pray, God, you would deal with our enemies. And God hears everything. He just says, why don't you just worship me for a minute first, and I'll show you even how to pray over that situation. So I'm not going to give a formal end of this service. You, you can leave as you like. I encourage you to stay at least for a little bit. And then as you got to go with your kids and your family and whatever you have to do, feel free. I think there's a lot of business about to be done. I can feel the heaviness of God here already. We're set up for it, aren't we? But enough of the bad stuff. Time for God to confuse our enemies and to bring life again.